return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Bible, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and we welcome you, those that would join us via Facebook Live or YouTube or the website. We just welcome you, those from the church. We pray healings for you uh, to recover, healings uh, that you'd be protected in the name of Jesus, that you would be well and do well in Jesus' name. And we welcome those that would be from other countries as well. Uh, We welcome you joining us here at the Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, It's wintertime, but it's warm in here. And the love of God is with us. And so we just welcome you and glad you could join with us. We bless you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So today I want to start, I want to share some on God's provision. And, and uh, this, this is a few messages just on biblical finances, uh, poverty, on management, on planning. And uh, I want you to know that God wants to meet all your needs. We should, we should understand that. And I want you to know that I'm going to share scripture here. And this scripture works no matter what country you live in, no matter what your situation is, no matter what the political environment is. This scripture works because it's the word of God. And the word of God is true. It endures. It's, it stands the tests of times and so forth. Amen. So you always want to base your faith on what the Bible says, not on what a person says. You know, and a lot of people, incidentally, a lot of people, you know, they, if you ask them what they believe, they say, they'll tell you what their church believes. You should have enough character in you to know what do you believe? What do you believe? What is your witness? What is your testimony? What's in your heart? As far as what you believe. And it should always then come from the background of the Word of God. Because a lot of people will parrot what their denomination says. You know, what the the pastor says. But then they themselves aren't in the Word of God to know it, to know what it stands for. Amen? So you want to know the Word yourself. All right, Philippians 4, verse 19. God shall supply all your needs. Amen? The context... The context in, in Philippians 4.19 is, is resources. He's going to supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I tell you what, God has never lacked. <laughs> if, if the earth is his and the, and the world is his and the universe is his, he created it all. He does not lack, all right? If the streets in heaven are have payment of gold, <laughs> I mean, there's no lack with God. So we have to understand these things, but, but also clarify that he's talking about whatever your needs are, all right? Now, and above that is verse 18. Paul says, I have, I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, this thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So in this particular case, of course, God was supplying Paul's needs through other people. All right. And Epaphroditus was the messenger, the messenger to bring those things to him. And we have to understand that God is not in the counterfeit business because sometimes people think about God's provision and so forth. And somehow he's just going to provide like a money. There's a money tree and money's going to grow on it. He's not a counterfeiter. He doesn't do that. So God supplies in a variety of ways. Now, one of those ways, of course, is that he can supply through people. But also, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. In this, book, in this reference, he says, Remember, the Lord your God, it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. 
Now, you should underline these verses, incidentally, all right? These are, these are important verses from, from Genesis to Revelation. But God gives you power to get wealth. Now, now how, does, how does he do that? Well, a primary way is through work. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> well, thank God for good health and that God wants to bless the work of your hands. In fact, it says in, in Deuteronomy that he'll bless the work of your hands. Those are things you want to claim. You know, you never want to say, you know, I'm, I'm really smart, I'm really skilled, it's all me. No, everything we got came from the Lord, right? It all came from the Lord, and so we have to uh, develop it with his blessing, amen, to be used for his glory. So, so he gives us power to get wealth. So work is one thing. Ideas is another thing. God gives knowledge of witty inventions. Amen. Amen. He can give you ideas for how your money can stretch farther and so forth. Uh, investments is another way that God can bless people. I believe God wants you to have enough resources so that you can save, but so that you can also invest. Say invest. That's a good thing, all right? In other words, you have enough resources. Let me tell you, right now, the interest rate at the bank's really quite low, right? Uh, it's almost like you're paying them to hold your money. So, but there's other ways to invest. And people can buy other things. People can buy land or people can do other things to invest, have invest investment properties and stuff like that. The important thing, that God gives you power, let's say another word, authority, to get wealth. Now, he's not, now, we're not talking about how much here, but the, but the thing is to know that it's not bad to have resources. Sometimes people actually think, well, if I have a lot of resources, that's not good. I have to give it all away. That's not true. That's not true. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. Amen? That's what, the, what it was to Jabez then. So now here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the key to it all. He wants to do this so that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. This word right here deals with the Great Commission. So when God wants to bless you and I, so you and I can be a blessing to somebody else. See, I can't, I can't help somebody if I'm the one who needs help. I've learned, I've learned this, that when we've had even movies in towns, outreach movies and so forth, a lot of people don't even go because they don't have the money. Or, or also don't have money to buy somebody else's ticket. That's kind of sad. Sometimes people say this. Well, I'm, I, I don't want to be greedy, so I'm just, just, I'm just looking for my blessing. But the Bible actually says you should love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're only thinking of yourself, you're wrong. You're wrong. You want to be thinking about the world, other people. You want to believe that you have more than enough that you can help somebody else. God, God, you have to understand, he works through people in so many ways to help others, to help to benefit others, to take care of others. He works through us. But I can't help the poor if I am the poor. Amen? If I'm, if I'm the poor person, it's all me, 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 I just, I have all these needs. Well, then I can't help anybody else. So God wants to provide for us. And he gives us the power to get wealth through work, through ideas, through investments, through all kinds of things like this, so that he may establish his covenant, so that he can keep reaching more people. Billy Graham actually said, if all Christians would tithe, you'd never have another missions need in the world. Most, most Christians, now let's talk about this, let's, let's break it down to born-again Christians. Born-again Christians, most born-again Christians don't tithe, just statistically. Most do not tithe. That's just 10%, let alone offerings or alms or anything above that. Most do not. Isn't that amazing? You know, part of that, part of that is most people are sitting on their heart where their wallet's at. So if that's, if that's the thing, Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You're going to love the one, hate the other. You can't serve two masters. You're, the tithing, of course, releases us from greed and bondage. But, but when we get a revelation of God's care, then we know he's going to take care of us. Let's go, to, let's go back in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. In those 40 years, it says, The Lord your God blessed you in all the work of your hand. Notice, all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through the great wilderness. These 40 years your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. 
I, I want to say hallelujah to that. Wow. Lacked nothing. They had 40 years in a wilderness. All right. We got a million plus people. And so God blessed their hands and blessed their resources. Now, I understand God took care of them supernaturally. I understand their clothes didn't wear out. How about that? Shoes didn't wear out, all those things. But God took care of them, and they lacked nothing. We, we can testify, now we're getting older and older. The Bible says, I've been young, I've been old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. And even at our age now, we've been through time of, of real lean times. Faced bankruptcy and so forth, all those things, but we never lacked. Hallelujah. We never lacked. See, most people, again, they, they feel at peace when the cabinets are full and so forth, but God will take care of us. Amen. God will provide and God will take care of us. And our, the, one of the keys is just in the middle of that storm, keep hanging on to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Amen. He wants to take care of us. All right. Let's go to the New Testament for a minute. First Thessalonians chapter 4. So, so in Deuteronomy, he gives us power to get wealth, authority to get wealth. Here, First Thessalonians 4 says, You also aspire to, lead a, aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. Now, these, are just, these are just important things. In other words, work is good. We, we, uh, a lot of times people, their goal is, oh, retirement, retirement, when I don't have anything to do. <laughs> a lot of people, quote unquote, retire, and about three months later, they're looking for a bus to drive or something like that, you know, the, the city bus or something to do because they're so bored. I think work is good. I think work is healthy. I think it keeps your mind sharp. It keeps your body sharp. It keeps you going. Isn't that right? I mean, uh, I was at a ball game the other day at Brookings, and I saw one of the officials who I know, and he's in his 70s, and I'm thinking, man, he's still going. He always thought I should be refereeing with him, and I said, I don't want to do that. Too much controversy, you know. But here he is. He's still, he's still running up and down the court, you know, and he's, he's got a stiff joint here or there. But, but think about life. Think about life. I mean, I mean, yes, maybe you can't do your hard labor when you're older, but you can do something. But here he says, mind your own business, work with your own hands as we commanded you. It says that you may work, walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may have lack of nothing. Yeah. Say lack nothing. Lack nothing means that you have all that you need. All that you need. In other words, you're not thinking. In our country, most people live paycheck to paycheck. And... and the COVID crisis exposes a lot of things where people just they don't have any money. They're just, they're just to the bare end. But I actually don't think God wants us to live there. I think he wants us to live in a place where we lack nothing. I think, I think he wants us to live in a place like, like Psalm says, when the drought comes, you don't even see it. You don't even see it because you're still well watered. You're still taken care of. You're still provided for. I believe he wants us to have more than enough. So again, when tough times come, folks, the needs in the world go higher. Therefore, the need to help people is greater. That's why, that's why you want to believe for more. Say more. more. Tap someone near you and say, believe for more. <laughs> Don't believe for less. Believe for more. Don't say, well, I have enough. No, believe for more then. What would be the point of more? The point of more is to give more, to do more. To advance the kingdom of God. To, to establish the covenant. That's the point of it. Amen? So, I mean, I mean, this isn't the thing like, this is not an American idea. This is a Bible idea. This is a Bible thing that you can, that your needs can be met in abundance. Every place we go in the world, in the world there are needs. Everywhere there's needs. Lots of needs. That's why you want to believe for more. To have more, to do more, and so forth. So we walk properly toward those that are the outside the world and so forth, that you may have lack of nothing. And that happens because they're working and God's blessing their hands and they're doing business and things like that. Amen? Now, one of the best definitions of, of God's blessing is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Now, this isn't an amplified version, but it's a clear definition of prosperity, of God wanting to provide more than enough. So God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance. Notice, abundance. Let me back up a second. Notice, he's able. 
So what, what is the thing? If God is able, then what is the connecting factor there? It's you and I. It's our faith. It's what we believe. Just because God is able doesn't mean he's going to do it. He'll do it if you believe it. He'll do it if you trust him. He'll do it if you stand on his word. He'll do it when, you know, he sees your heart, what you're doing. He'll do it. But the key is, the key is, this isn't automatic, like, oh, I'll just do it for everybody. No, he's not going to do it for everybody. He'll do it. He'll do it. He's able to do it, but we have to trust him. He's able to make all grace, every favor, earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Hallelujah. Now, read these verses. This is important. This is in the Bible. This is the New Testament. So that you may always say always. That means all the time. All the time, you have more than enough. All the time. Not most of the time, all the time. Amen? So that you may always, notice again now, under all circumstances, that's good times and bad times. That's when, that's when everybody's got a job, that's when some people don't have jobs. That's when the economy's really good, that's when the economy's really poor. So that you may always, under all circumstances. Now, this is, a, this is a verse you need to be writing down, underlining, going back and looking at it, and understanding this is what I want to claim for my life. Amen? I don't want to live, I don't want to live on Grumble Alley. I want to live in a place where God is, is, His blessing is, where the rivers are flowing, where the grapes are growing. Amen. We sing that all the time. I'm living where the rivers are flowing. I'm living where the grapes are growing. I'm living, yes, I'm living in Canaan's land. It's really grand. Well, that's good. That's a good song to sing. Amen. So you may always, under all circumstances, whatever the need, whatever the need, just said last week in a business thing that most, um, only 27% of the population had enough money that if that if a thousand dollar bill came up, they could pay it. Just talking to general of the world, only twenty seven percent. I wonder what it'd be in the church. When we have pastors' conferences, it, not just here but other places, this is a tough, this is a topic pastors absolutely do not want to talk about. It's like anathema. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about money. I'm not going to talk about finances. And why is that? A lot, of, a lot of people think that it's, it's, you're more blessed if you're poor than if you have resources. The, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, not the poor. Folks, the poor are not blessed. Poverty is not a blessing. Every nation on the earth, every nation on the earth has declared war against poverty. They don't want their people poor. They want them to have money. Poverty is not a good thing. It's not a good thing if you can't feed yourself. Not a good thing if you can't take care of yourself. Poorness is not blessedness. But many pastors, because they don't read the Word, and because they don't look at the Word of God, are poor. Paul Tucker said to me just six months before he died, he said, Dave... Your message, we've got to have it to more ministers. I got hundreds of ministers, we've got to have it to more ministers. And that was his plan, then he died. Older, you know. Why? Because ministers, the ministers Paul knew, older ministers, serve God, faithfully serve God, live for the Lord, and now come to a place in their life, and they have nothing. Under the idea that, oh, God will take care of me, God will take care of me. But they never saved. Say, save. How many of you know, if you have an extra $10, how many of you know it's probably a good idea to save it? If you've got some money in your pocket, if you've got some money in your pocket, and you've got food in your table and so forth, and you've honored the Lord, probably a good idea to save that. Amen. Will there be, the old things was rainy days. <laughs> will there be rainy days? Let's say, will there be tough times? Yes, there will. Spoiler alert, there's going to be tough times. So if you have money saved, that is a good thing. You do not have to give your money away. And that's for everybody internationally, too. You don't have to give your money away. You give, it, you give things away when God leads you. But not, not just out of obligation. 
Saving is a good thing. You have to save resources. So many pastors, you know why they keep preaching to their dying day? Because they need an offering. That's why they keep preaching. That's just the truth. Okay? One of our good friends in another place and so forth. He's in low-income housing. Hanging on. God wants to take care of his people. It's not a testimony to the world if you don't have anything. It's like, it's like years ago, years ago when, when uh, we were saving money for land and a building and so forth. And so we took steps of faith. i got a pastor who's he's taken this to heart. Very few people ever, when I've talked to them about steps of faith and how we walked into this building, very few ministers ever, ever even want to listen. They didn't even want to listen. Well, God will provide for Yeah, God will provide. I don't care about what your steps were. Okay, don't care. But this pastor is taking it to heart. And God told me, God told me, he said, what is walking in the spirit composed? What is walking by faith composed? And I got up and I walked across the room because he said to do that. I walked across the room and I walked back. And I said, it's composed of steps. Walking is composed of steps. Now, how do you walk? So I got up again. I walked across the room. I thought about it. I walked across the room. Turned around. I came back across the room. And I said, well, every step is equal. So the Lord challenged me, what could you believe for? Well, to believe for $100,000 was like the moon. But I thought, well, you know, we'll believe for 10000 I believe for $10,000. And that was our goal. And so we raised, well, the process of some weeks, a couple months, we raised $10,000. It was a step. It was a step. Steve, you were around in those days. It was a step. And so we just praised God. We took a break. And then the Lord said, take another step. So then we took another step. Steps are equal. $10,000. In the process of time, back in the 80s, interest rates were high. We had the money at the bank. Didn't spend it. Saved it. Got high interest rates. Pretty soon, we had over $100,000 at the bank. So I took the money, took some money, and I thought, well, let's go, to the, let's go to another bank, FDIC insured. Let's go to another bank. So I went over to another bank. At that time, it was called Norwest. Went over to that bank, and I called, and I had an appointment with the president of the bank. And I went into the president of the bank, and he said, well, Reverend, what, can, what do you need help with, Reverend? What can, well, how can we help you, Reverend? And I said, well, what I need is this. I said, you got a good interest rate out there, but I know you even got a better one. I want a better interest rate. I don't want to put $25,000 in your bank. And he sat up almost with a swear word in his chair like, I've never had a minister come in like this. Everybody wants money. Everybody wants money. You know what they said? The president of First Bank and Trust said to me, he said, Pastor Dave, pastors are the poorest risk that there are. And banks don't want to loan to churches because they're poor credit people. That just historical in bank records. And I looked at him and said, well, I'm not that way. And he says, I know you are a rare bird. You are a rare bird. The bank president that I was talking to, I said, let me tell you this. I told him how I got saved, how God touched my life, what we were doing. He was in shock. He gave me the highest interest rate that I asked for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reputation went around town. When it came time, we were going to borrow a little bit of money. And most of the time, what banks do is they pool their resources for churches. You know why they do that? You know why they get three banks to borrow to a church? Yeah, because they, they'll grow broke or something. And that way, not all of them, are go, all of them got the one thing. And it doesn't look good for the bank to foreclose on the church, right? So then they're all kind of in it together. I'm telling you what was told me to my face from bank presidents. That's a poor testimony. That's a poor testimony. So we have to understand the Word of God gives us authority to walk in the Spirit, to acquire provision, to have more than enough. Amen? More than enough. When we, when we did, uh, years later, we built this building, we put concrete on the, on the parking lot. In the process of time, we kept saving, saving. We paid off our little note. We kept saving and saving. We began to invest. How many know when you invest, you can have money working for you while you're doing something else? So we put concrete out here in the parking lot. 
And the concrete was put in at that time by B&B Concrete. And the owner of that company, I knew the family and so forth, and uh, the owner was not always a polite person. And so we set up, we got a bid, we set up the agreement, what it was going to take. It was $63,000 at that time to put concrete in the parking lot. And so they did the project. I went out to his office and I said, well, what's, we had the amount and I said, so here's a check. Because I came in the office, he says, Reverend, I know churches, they don't have money, I know you need to have a line of credit and so forth. He's going to finance the thing because he's a millionaire and all this that. I said, no, 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 here, here's our check. He sat up in his chair and he swore at me. He said, what the? And he said another swear word. And he said, you're going to give me a check for that whole amount? I said, yeah, there it is right there. There it is. We have the cash. And he pointed a finger at me. He says, I've never had a church do this. Now, that guy, as crass as he was, went around all the businesses in town and told them about what happened. That was good publicity. That was good gossip. That was good gossip. See, how many know God can foresee your need before you have a need? How many know if you have some extra money? Let me just say this to everybody listening right now. If you have some extra money, can I just tell you to save it? Don't look for a place to spend it. Save it. Save your money. Now, of course, in my last days, whatever, I, we want to pass things on to our kids, whatever. It doesn't matter then. But for most of us in our lives, saving is a good thing. Then you can give as God directs you. Amen. Of course, all the way along the line, you want to tithe and so forth like that. But then you can give as God directs you. Hallelujah. But I'm not obligated to give to just anybody. I'm obligated to, avoid the, uh, uh, to obey the voice of the Lord. Amen. See, so when you, when you save, that's a good thing. And he's able to do this, but we have to save. You know, the, the faith message, they have all the stuff about prosperity. You never hear them talking about saving. It's kind of like God's up there. You just honor the Lord. You be a giver to us and we'll bless you and so forth. And you never hear him talk about saving. Wrong. Wrong. Unless you save something, you'll never have anything. That's right. That's right, honey. You know, zero times zero is zero. When I talk to pastors about some of this, it's real quiet. They're just, it's just quite, it's just like you can hear the crickets. But folks, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. And we have to look at the word of God, understand the word of God. So he's able to make all this grace, every favor, earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Say abundance. So that you may always circle, always circle here under all circumstances and then look at this. Whatever the need be self-sufficient. Whatever the need be self-sufficient. In other words, you're possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation, which is the Great Commission. That's the bottom line again, okay? It's the bottom line isn't that you're, you're padding your pocket to do whatever you want to do. I'm going to live out my days in the golf course. and so No, that's not the bottom line. That's kind of a poor existence. The bottom line is that you can do something to advance the kingdom. Amen? Every charitable donation. There's all kinds of things that people do. People are feeding people and taking care of people. Every good work. That's why when we go places, every month we send money overseas, but when we go places, we have our pockets lined. I got money under my belt. I look fat. One time, one time, one of the customs people, he, fat, he, he patted me down here, security and so forth. I said, money belt. He looked me in the eye. Then he went on. He, he didn't even ask to see it. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Didn't want to pull off my pants there. <laughs> and we do what? We, we, we bless people. We help people. We, we take care of people. And you know what, what we also do? Because it's so common, people think, if I got something, I'm just going to give something away again. And it will look right in the pastor's eyes, and I'll say, now, 
don't give it away. And they're always kind of wide eyes. I said, don't give this away. Take care of you and your wife and your children. Because why? Because then they're going to have their needs met to take care of more people. But if you give everything away, all of a sudden now you have nothing again. And your children have nothing. John G. Lake, who we know for is a great man of faith, and stood in Africa against bubonic plague, all these kinds of things. But John G. Lake went to the mission field, but had the mentality, I'm going to give everything away. And so he came home, he went to the store, he had plenty of money, but he, he got all these groceries and so forth on the way home. This person had a need, and this person had a need, and this person had a need, and this person had a need. And when he got home, there was only a little left. Only a little left. And John G. Lake, I think he had four children. And so that was what was left for his family. Doing all the things in the ministry and all the stuff like that, but his family was in lack. And John G. Lake was in another African country, and he got word that his wife died. And one of the things she died from was starvation. Because she tried to take care of the children, and she herself, her health went down and down and down. And now one of those kids served the Lord. We hear all the testimonies, but his life was out of order. And John G. Lake, later, those kids went to Canada. Later got remarried. Later had more kids, and he changed his life. He changed his... If you don't take care of your own family, that's your first ministry. And a pastor that came here to the conference, pastor's conference here, knew him well, knew his wife, so on and so forth. He calls me one day, he's in another city, and he says, Pastor, my wife's left me. I said, what? I knew her, I knew him. I said, she left you. I said, why? Well, and then he went on the story. Because he took his resources, he helped all these other people, and he never helped his family. And finally a day came and she said, I've had it, and I'm gone. And she never came back. You have to understand that everything we get, everything you have in your possession, then you're a steward of that. You're a steward of it. Saving it, if you get a little bit more, investing it, you're a steward of that. This ministry, we're stewards of what we have. That's why we live where we live. That's why we're debt-free. That's why we own all the land around us. Because we're stewards of what we have. People think, boy, they must have big givers. No, it's because of investing. It's because of God's blessing on those things that's provided hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's why. That's why when the famine comes, we don't see it. COVID comes, not worried about it. Bill's going to get paid? Absolutely. Everyone on time or early. Why? Because, because of setting things up in God's order. There's an order. Read it again. He's able to make all grace, all grace, every favor, earthly blessing, come to you. Come to you. He's not talking about pastors. coming to you in abundance. So that you may always, under all circumstances, whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. <laughs> wow. As I'm going to say, well, Pastor Dave, are you living all that? And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I look at the Word of God and I'm like, wow. That's a wow. That's a wow verse. That's, that's, like, that's like a goal up here. But it's what you want to believe for, amen? It's what you want to believe for in terms of helping somebody else. In terms of blessing somebody else, amen? Let's go to James 4 a second. If, if poverty... Jesus redeemed us from sickness, poverty, death, destruction. He redeemed us. When James 4 says we resist the devil, one of the things you resist, the context of this message, talking about God's provision, but one of the things you resist is poverty. In the Bible, God's people never lacked. He took care of his people. See that 40 years in the wilderness by a rebellious people. (laughs) Never lacked. He took care of them. He provided for them. 
So you want to set your feet on the promises, right? If you're, if you're resisting, let's, let's put poverty here, then you want to embrace provision. So if I embrace provision, then I'm resisting poverty. Amen? See, we at one time, my wife and I, because of our situation, we qualified for every government program. So our daughter was critically ill. We had all kinds of things. And, and so then they said, you know, you, Dave, you qualify for food stamps. You want food stamps? And I said, not just yet. We still got enough food. Thanks. And they looked at me like, what? Incidentally, let me say this. I would go to social services once a month to check in, to give an account to them. They helped with mileage because we went to like care at the University of Kansas Medical Center, different things like that. And I went in, and they all knew me by first name. They knew I pastored. And I said, thank you so much. Thank, thanks just for helping us. And even when they offered food stamps, I said, we don't need it now, but thank you. And then I was looking at these ladies. Now, these ladies were staring at me like they were just a deer in the headlights, you know. And I said, well, you've got to hear this all the time, don't you? You've got to hear this all the time that people are thankful. And they all together know, no, we don't hear this at all. People come in here and they cuss at us. They swear at us. We do, they, we're not giving them enough. We're not helping them enough. And my mouth dropped open like, what? And we had a little talk right there. That's the world we live in. That's the world of the United States. That's the world of entitlement. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You owe it to me. Somehow you owe it to me. But people don't all want to work. And then even when people do work, how many want to save it? Or people get a gift from the government, you know, somehow just for no reason at all other than you're an American. How many want to save that? Let's go, let's go out to eat, honey. Let's go out and spend it. And of course, one month later, they're in the same hole. And they'll always be in the same hole. Christians should not be in that hole, by the way. Amen. Folks that we know through the years have worked for social services. And I've asked them periodically over the years. I said, hey, how's, how's your job? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I said, how many people are thankful? And they said, again, no. No, they're not thankful. People complain. Not enough. Give me more. I deserve it. And the question is, why do you deserve it? Why, why do you deserve it? We climbed out of that hole. Not because of us. But just because steady, faithful, trusting God... You know, hanging on month to month to Jesus. Amen. Anybody can. Amen. This isn't a cultural thing like, oh, some people are destined to be poor. No, no, no. Everybody's destined to be blessed in Jesus Christ. Everybody in Jesus Christ is destined to be blessed. God is able. But we have to work with him on his terms for his glory. So you have to push back against poverty rather than embracing it. Push back against it. Amen. Push back and say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to believe for more. Resist anything that would hinder the Great Commission. What, what's one of the things when people talk about doing something for God? What's one of the first things they say to me? They say, well, I don't have any money. That's not the issue. God has all kinds of money. That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not you want to obey him. You want to go someplace. You want to preach or you want to do something. God will take care of it. I learned that in 1975 when I went to Southeast Asia for six weeks preaching in the Philippine Islands and Hong Kong. God will take care of us. We just have to do his work. Amen. Third John 2 is, is a great verse. It's quoted a lot. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. But it's dealing with, with again, what is the purpose of all this is the Great Commission. Amen. Can you understand that? That's the purpose of all this is the Great Commission to advance the kingdom. But you have outer prosperity and inner prosperity. Now, outer prosperity is nothing without inner prosperity. So the inner thing is your soul's got to prosper. Amen? That's got to be the key for the Christian. Otherwise, you're sitting on your heart again. Sitting on your billfold. The key is your soul prospering, alive in Jesus. Then when that happens, praise God for the other, that you can be physically well and financially well. That you may prosper. And all things be in health. So there's inner prosperity, outer prosperity, financial health, physical health, spiritual health. Spiritual health is a key one. Amen. That is the key because then out of that 
we can be led by the Holy Spirit. By that, then we can do more things for the glory of God. Spiritual health. Amen. Now, let's read, let's read just a couple more verses. Acts 28. Here's Paul's testimony. Now, remember, Paul was, was a Pharisee. Paul was well-schooled. Paul uh, had persecuted the church, of course. But let's understand something, that when we think of people in the Bible, so many times we're thinking, well, these are, these are all just pulpers. Like James and John, you know, when Jesus said, said to the one man, you know, that what stood in his way is, it, is his possessions. And Jesus said, hey, give all that you have and come follow me. And the guy thought, wow, and went away, walked away. And Jesus let him walk away because his God was his money. But then the disciples said, well, who can be saved? Now, why did they say that? See, James, John, a lot of these, these were not poor people. These were not pulpers. They were business people. Their daddy had boats. Their daddy had employees. They had all kinds of stuff. They were managers. So they were not poor people. Saul of Tarsus was not a poor person. He was well-educated. He had connections all through the government and so forth. He was not a poor person. Now, many years later, decades later, Paul goes to Rome. Now, of course, he's, he's a prisoner for Christ. But he goes to Rome. The centurion delivers the prisoners to the captain of the guard. And Paul's permitted to dwell by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. So he's living, he's living by himself. Amen? He's living by himself. Verse 23. They appointed him a day when many came to, at his lodging, to whom he explained Solomon testified as the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both both out of the law of Moses and the prophets, morning till evening. Let me stop there. So Paul had a lodging. Can, can you understand that if, if people are coming, let's look at the word here, many. Now, I don't know what number you want to put with many, but if you had dinner today and a couple came over, two people came over, you wouldn't say, we had many people for dinner today. No, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that at all. Now, if maybe a dozen came or 15 or 20 and they were all around the house, we had a lot of people today. A lot of people came to Paul's place at his home. And now let's read through just this here. As we see this, he's preaching morning till evening. Let's read through the customs. So when Jeannie and I are at places, ministering and so forth, we will minister and then we will have fellowship. And we'll eat, and we'll drink, and we'll fellowship, and so forth. And then we'll go and minister it again. And then we'll have fellowship. That's custom. That's what you do. So it's not like Paul's just having a long speech here, morning till evening, and they're just hanging on, you know. No, they're having fellowship. Probably asking questions. And they're eating. And somebody's paying for this. Hey, somebody paid for Jesus. He traveled and so forth. Well, this guy wasn't a pulper. It's, like, it's not like they're walking down the street with bags out here. Anybody support Jesus? Can anybody support Jesus? You don't ever see Jesus take an offering. You don't see Jesus take an offering. You see Jesus, when he did have a big multiplication of loaves and fishes, giving it all away. Talk to gold, fish and the, uh, gold coin in the fish's mouth. Say, oh, uh, yeah, that's not for us. So go give that, pay that for us, for the tax, temple tax. So Paul is in a place where he has, still has resources. Let's go to the last verse. Paul lived two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Now this is two years, let's say two years with no direct income. He's paying the bill. I don't think Caesar's paying the bill here. You know what I mean? I don't think godless Caesar or Nero, Nero, they're not paying the bill for this. This is Paul paying the bill in his own rented house that is not a tiny house. It's a house substantial for people to come. Maybe enough bedrooms for people to stay. See, when we read through the lines of the Bible, then all of a sudden we see, wow, what was the reason for that? The reason was the Great, great Commission. It's not like he's in a small tent or an efficiency apartment. You know, people say, all my needs are met, all my needs. Great, your needs are met, but you want to believe for more. Why? Because the world has needs. The world has needs. And one of those things that, that helps the world is resources. You know, I think we're here. We're here for a higher purpose than just 
making our money, growing old, and having, you know, retirement. or what. We're here for a bigger purpose. We see that around us all the time, the needs around us and so forth. They're huge. And we just keep feathering out, not all, all the things, just as God directs, just keep feathering things out to be a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be a blessing. You can be a blessing. Paul lived two whole years, his own hired house, paying everything, every expense, no job. God took care of him. Hallelujah. Mark 16, verse 15. Hasn't changed to go into all the world. If God says to do it, God is still supplying for the Great Commission. He's still supplying for the Great Commission. The fact that he's saying going, it's going to take, it's going to take some resources, right? It's going to take some resources. Say resources. That's not a bad term. Say money. Not a bad term. The love of money. People say, no, the love of money, Pastor, is rule of all evil. Yeah, if you love it, but don't love it. Use it. Use it. I don't love money, but I can use money. It's a tool. Money is a tool to bless people and to help people. That's what it's there for. So the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. We'll talk some more in some other weeks on this, on God's provision. But the important thing to know is that he's still saying go. Our sign back there that we got years ago, and the idea came from Marilyn Hickey's ministry, but his last command is our first priority. That's first priority. That begins right where we live in our hometown, begins in Brookings, where we're at. Amen? Well, we have pastor's conferences. We've never charged, we've had... I don't know, almost 50 conferences. Excuse me, almost 50 conferences. We've never charged a dollar for it. Pastors come. You know, some pastors never even say thank you. They ate, they did all the things. Never said a thank you. Never said a thank you. You God notices that. He really does. But the whole point is that we could do it because why do we want to do it? To bless people. God said years ago, we paid off the building. He says, I want you to bless pastors. I want you to help them. I want you to bless them. That's what we've done. That's what we've done in missions. That's how we've helped people. That's why people around the world join us. Around the world are aware of little tiny South Dakota. God is good, folks. He wants to provide for you. And he will. Let me back up a second. I was talking about steps before. How many of you know there will be birthdays? This year. Can you say yippee? <laughs> Birthdays. Well, save for the birthday. We used to hardly have anything for a birthday. Or anything for Christmas. So you save for those things. What is that? Steps. You can have pockets. He'll bless your storehouses. Deuteronomy 28. We'll talk about that another time. But he'll bless your storehouses. Save. Saving is a good word. Save is a good four-letter word. You get real upset, say save. Woo! That's a good word to say. Save. And then husbands and wives, you've got to get on the same page. Got to be on the same page. You've got to talk. You've got to communicate. Jeannie and I do a lot. Why? Everybody comes from different backgrounds of perspective. So we communicate so that we can move forward as a team. Now put your hands out in front of you a second. Just put your hands out there. <laughs> I mean, this is so funny. I was, I was at the door one day, and this is a couple, few years ago or something. One of the girls came by, and you know, we shook hands, and she said, Pastor, your hands are so soft. <laughs> and I laughed. I said, yeah, yeah, I don't do a lot of physical work right now. <laughs> do a lot of this work and so forth and planning. But, but look at your hands. You know, you might have calluses, or they might look real soft like you'd be in a soap commercial. Anyway, God wants to bless the work of your hands. He wants to bless what you touch. That's why we touch our grandkids all the time. Our children all the time, even. They're, they're big and so forth, but we're blessing them like this, you know. We put our hands on people, and we bless them. He wants to bless your finances. All right? Don't spend everything you have. Don't charge. Keep charging on a credit card you can't pay for. If I came to an accident and someone was bleeding bad from their arm, the first thing I would do would be to push and apply pressure to stop the bleeding. That's what you have to do sometimes for credit cards. Stop the bleeding. Stop the spending. 
He wants to bless your hands. He'll give you wisdom if you ask him. The Holy Spirit. God is able to do it, so he'll, you just ask him. So, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom in the finances. Give us wisdom in managing our homes. Give us wisdom in what we spend money on. Give us wisdom on saving, Lord, how we can save, where we can save. Give us wisdom, Lord, on our jobs, Lord, and making even more, Father, because it's for your glory, Lord. Father, give us wisdom. And I, I pray, Lord, for every person that's hearing my voice even now. Lord, that, you would, that your, your mind would be their mind. That your heart, their heart. Lord, that they would have more than enough. More than enough. That they would have savings, resources, families taken care of. Father, I thank you for this. This is your will. And I thank you for your word that is your will. So, Lord, even today, I thank you for blessing everybody here watching and listening. And I thank you, Lord, for just your touch in their lives, the personal way in their lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be an evangelist. Click share on that and share it. Give it to send it. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.